You're now listening to A New Coat of Paint, starring the owners of LJK Finishes, Lewis J. Katz, and Scott Katz. A New Coat of Paint is a podcast for independent painters, wallpaper hangers, and contractors of any size to discuss their craft, business practices, marketing strategies, and a lot more. For all your contracting questions, with a special expert lens on wallpaper, this is A New Coat of Paint. Welcome to the New Coat of Paint podcast, hosted by Lewis and Scott Katz. Hi, everybody. This is our inaugural uh, foray into podcasting, and uh, we are the New Coat of Paint. My name is Lewis Katz. I am a third-generation contractor, and I have been in the business since 1980. Welcome. Uh, this is Scott Katz. I am a contractor with LJK Finishes. I've been in the business for about 16 years. And this is our, you know, we figured we would talk about our business and see if we can relate to some other people in the painting business and, you know, spread some information, talk to some experts give some expert advice where we can, and hopefully help other painters and wallpaper hangers and contractors, you know, be better and hopefully help us be better too. So I think today we are going to try and stick to industry topics. We're not exactly coronavirus experts, so we want to refrain from that. And we figured there's enough going on in the world where you can hear about that from people who actually know what they're talking about. So we want to talk a little bit today about just being a contractor. Um, The ups, the downs, the difference between being a contractor and just being a worker, just being, you know, a guy who does painting or wallpaper hanging sometimes, and that's really everything. Yeah, uh, you know, we're going to talk about um, employees and uh, how we treat employees and how, you know, you guys do, because eventually we would like you people to call us in and tell us about your story as well. So, um, as I said, I'm doing this since 1980, and I apprenticed for two years and went to the U.S. School of Professional Paper Hanging. Uh, I do everything from untrimmed goods to silks and papers and everything in between. So um, let's talk a little bit about preparation for wallpapering. Um, When you go into a room as a paper hanger, if you're just strictly paper hanging, do you do your own prep and priming? Or like us, we we have a painting company, so we do both. But how uh, uh, does everyone feel about doing their their own preparation? Yeah, and I mean, one of the things that I've recently come across is it seems to me that painters are kind of afraid of wallpaper and so in a few recent calls where we're redoing rooms that had wallpaper in them from you know 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago people are asked are saying that other contractors are suggesting just laminating an extra layer of sheetrock as opposed to spending the time to remove wallpaper And so I thought, you know, maybe we can start there. If you walk into a room that already has wallpaper and your customer wants the wallpaper removed and painted, 
or removed and rehung, just some of the methods that we use to get the wallpaper down so that you don't have to buy sheetrock and lug sheetrock through people's houses and make rooms smaller and do all that unnecessary work with trim and doors just to get wallpaper off the wall. Yeah, that's one of the mistakes I see a lot of contractors making when it comes to that. They want to laminate sheetrock on, but they don't want to remove any of the trim, which to me is ridiculous. It never looks right and it never looks good. So sure, you got through the, the space quicker, maybe, um, but if you know how to remove wallpaper, 95% of wallpapers are gonna come right down. Some of them are a little bit more work, but not so much that you would really need to go over and laminate a new layer of sheetrock to. You know, there's a lot of tools and a lot of gadgets, the paper tiger and the, you know, all these other things like that that are meant to remove wallpaper. But really the secret is getting moisture back into the paste and reactivating it. And, you know, a lot of times that takes either getting the top layer of, you know, the paper on, you know, off the backing and off the walls. But it's really just about, you know, scraping and some, you know, elbow grease, as my father always says. And, you know, taking the time and, you know, washing the, the walls down. You got to remember to be covering everything, um, like covering your switch plates and, and, and plugs um, taping them with small pieces to cover them from the bottom up so that it's like a Venetian blind so the water runs away from plugs. Um, safety is really a big issue. And they make steamers and you plug them in and put them on the wall. I find them to be laborious and, and very bulky um, and they don't usually work on a lot of stuff. Uh, one of the methods we've been using on our commercial jobs is we've been removing the vinyl because that usually comes right off and then using our Festool to sand down the walls instead of lugging water up to a floor in a 12, 15, 20, or 30 story building. We actually just bring our Festools with a Planex and then we sand all of the old adhesive off and then we have a perfectly clean surface because it's really important to take it down. And anyone who goes over and hangs paper over paper, unless the paper is absolutely not coming off, then hanging paper over paper is not an option. And it most certainly voids all warranties or guarantees because you gotta be very careful if you commit to hanging wallpaper over existing wallpaper. If something fails behind the original layer of wallpaper, the whole job is in big trouble. So we try and steer people away from that choice as much as possible. But, you know, sometimes there's no convincing people. Right. Also, when you gotta be careful when you're using the Plan X, it creates friction and heat. Not a ton, but sometimes you wanna be careful and you wanna make sure you're keeping your tools clean and you're scraping as much of the glue off as you possibly can so that it doesn't gunk up the works. We've all had, you know, something get into a, you know, a machine like that before and it, it can be, you know, dangerous for the machine. You don't want to break your thousand dollar Planex tool. And, you know, if you keep, it'll slow the process down on top of everything. So. And the other reason not to hang paper over paper, especially if you're doing like a vinyl, 
it could stay wet for up to 90 days on the commercial vinyl. And that means the moisture's got to go somewhere. So eventually it's going to get behind the other paper. And as we said in the beginning of this, uh, the way to get paste off the wall and the paper off the wall is to get it wet. So you basically covered the walls and created an environment that's going to loosen the bottom layer. And you don't know how long it's been there. You don't know what adhesives are on there. So it can cause a lot of other problems. Um, as far as once it's been removed and all of the residue has been removed, you leave residue on there, it will go over and start to eat the paints. So you certainly don't want that. Um, after you do your prep work, um, priming is a really important part of this. Um, I hate naming specific products, but there are certain products that you should not use as a primer for certain situations. And there are primers that are very, very specific to uses. Something like R35 is meant for non-breathable surfaces. So if you have high gloss, you have glass, you have something that doesn't breathe, you can use R35. But if you have matte walls or flat walls or even eggshell walls, R35 is not the product you want. Many companies are going over and putting warnings on their labels. Do not use. Uh, we prefer DrawType is our preferred, and it comes either in white or clear. So, um, DrawType is an acrylic wallpaper primer that creates a really good surface for the glue to adhere to. Now, it's not always easy to get. It comes out of California. We get it from our local uh, retailer who brings it in. There's a lot of us uh, paper hangers and painting contractors here in New York like to uh, use the product, but you're not always going to be able to get it. So where do you go from there? Uh, companies like Zinzer that are very primer-centric, they have products like Guards, which is also a great surface. Um, I always suggest a lot after you've put guards on, especially if you've done two coats to seal sheetrock, you're going to want to go over and give it a light sanding so that there's a key. And a key is just little invisible lines in the walls that the adhesive has something to go over and adhere to. You know, also in terms of doing a wallpaper job, if you walk into a room, after you remove the wallpaper and you've cleaned the walls and prepared the walls, it's always better to do all of your dirt and painting work prior to hanging the wallpaper. The one thing about wallpaper is you can't touch it up very easily. So you want to make sure that you are doing it very, very last. It's a cleaner job and it's also a lower impact job. And so once everything is all finished and ready, then you can hang your wallpaper. Also, uh, you have to be very careful with other contractors. Once your wallpaper is up, electricians, AV people, if they're going to mount TVs, if they're going to put switch plates back, if they're going to go over and um, hang lighting, they need to make sure they're not touching the wallpaper with dirty hands that they're not going over and making mistakes because if you put a hole somewhere and it's not right, it's not gonna get covered. 
and just some information for contractors and other people out there. So what do you think, Louis? What are the best ways to clean wallpaper if you do get a handprint on it or if you, you know, rub up against it with something, you know, get a drop, get some paint on it, coming through another room or something like that. Or someone has a tool belt on and yeah. just got, you know, they go over and they uh, turn around in a tight space and you can easily rip a wall covering. But if, let's let's say you didn't rip it, let's just say you got a little bit of dirt on it. What do you think is the best way to clean the wallpaper once it's got well, something on it? It depends on what it is. If it's a vinyl, usually just soap and water is great to clean it up. Um, if it's a fabric, it may not get clean. It's just a fact. That's why you don't want to hang silks until after everybody else is done. So that uh, the dirt work is already finished. Um, you know, if you can get people to put their brackets up first uh, and put their mollies in so that you can just make holes where those things are and the people can already have everything set and all they do is come and screw things in, that will make things much easier. So also, uh, if you're going to do your floors, your floors need to be finished before you go over and do your walls. Uh, I hear people all the time, oh, I'm going to get the, the you know, floors done and then they want you to hang paper first. That's craziness. What do you think about that, Scott? I agree. I think wallpaper should basically be the last part of any big job or, I mean, just about any job you're doing inside of somebody's home because the, the thing about wallpaper where the install itself you know, varies in price depending on the paper and the job and the size, but the thing that's really expensive on a wallpaper job tends to be the actual material. And the one thing you don't want to do is put yourself in a position where you're responsible for purchasing extra wallpaper and then having to, you know, fix or remove and rehang wallpaper because that's where it starts to get expensive and then the job will never be just right. The other thing is always order a minimum of 20% extra wall covering for just that reason. If someone comes in and damages it while you're having work done and a piece has to be replaced, the likelihood of you getting the same pattern and run number on the next batch is very, very low. So you're not going to have a paper that matches. And then you have a problem. If you don't have any extra, you cannot replace the piece. Also, if within a roll there's a damage and you didn't account for that, then you may be short wall coverings. So you might have to make sure that you have enough on the job, you have extra to go over and, and redo something that needs to be redone, and um, you know, keeping it safe, keeping all your papers safe as well. Well, that's a good thing to talk about. How is it that you go about measuring and getting the correct amount of wallpaper? Well, I like to go and do two different methods on every job um, just to make sure my calculations are right. Um, it's really important to have the specs on the paper because you have 20 and a half inch paper, you have 21 inch paper, you have 24 inch paper, 27 inch, 29 inch, 30, 36, 48, 54, and 60 inch. And every one of them is packaged differently. So it's really important to know how things are packaged and how um, the size of the paper. 
then I do two methods. I either do square foot, which is a length and a width times the height, um, the length and the width, uh, or the, the perimeter of the room times the height, which will give you the square feet of the room, the area of the room. Then you can divide by 25 for anything under 36 inches, which is the usable square feet in a roll, or you can divide by 12, which is for 60 to 48 inch goods, um, which is the usable square feet in a yard. So it will a linear yard, not square yards, not square feet, but in linear yards. 54 inch goods are typically sold in linear yards. So um, I also do a sheet count. By having the exact measurements, I can then count how many sheets there are, figure out how many sheets are in a roll, and then come up with um, the amount of paper I need. Um, well, let's talk about calculating how many sheets you need, because there, I think there are some factors that need to be addressed in that. For example, um, how do you factor in the pattern repeat? A lot of wallpapers aren't, you know, some wallpapers are just random, meaning they don't have any matches, but most wallpaper, I would say, has some sort of pattern on it that the customer is looking to highlight in the room. So how do you account for that? And then how do you go about making sure that that pattern is really shining in the room that you're hanging it to get the best job? Well, there's lots of different ways to, to, to approach that. Um, if a pattern repeat is, you know, 12 or 15 inches or below, uh, that square foot measurement really does come in. But if you have a roll that's only 27 feet long, and that's a double roll, it's 27 inches wide, and it's only 27 feet long, you may only get two sheets out of that roll. All right, so uh, that's why we do a sheet count, and we calculate how many pieces we get out. In order to know what the size of every piece is gonna be, you take the ceiling height measurement, you add two inches top, two inches bottom, That'll go over and give you your overall, overall length. Then you divide by the size of the repeat. So if it's an eight foot wall and it's a 24 inch repeat, you need four repeats. If it's a 23 inch repeats, you would need four point something repeats, which means you need five repeats, which would mean instead of 100 inches, you would need 123 inches. You know, need an extra repeat in there. And that will go over and change how you, uh, many sheets you get out of a roll. And thus how much paper you have to order. And thus how much you have to charge the customer to install the paper. Because obviously you want to get paid for all the work that you are doing accurately. And your expertise. Yes, you may end up using a little bit extra paper but by utilizing paper correctly and uh, knowing your business and knowing how to do layouts, you can go over and uh, actually add sheets to a room or deduct sheets from a room, depending on how you calculate things out. The other thing always to do when you go in to start is to engineer your room. I see paper hangers all the time. They walk in a room, they set their table up, and then they just start hanging. They pick a spot and they go. That's just not how to do it. If it's a random, that's fine. But if you're using something that has a pattern, you want to figure out your accent wall, you want to figure out your layout, 
and you want to see how things work out calculating wise around windows because the more symmetry you can put into a room and the better your ceiling line is the more attractive the wallpaper is going to look obviously if you have a giraffe on a wallpaper you don't want to hang the, the giraffe where it loses its head it would not look good if all around the whole room there's giraffes with no yeah. heads. And you know what Ozzy Osbourne said? Of all the things he lost, he misses mind the most. That's right. Exactly. And we certainly uh, don't want to lose our minds um, or our work. If you keep doing bad work like that, I, it's like grass cloths. Balancing panels on a grass cloth is ultra important. And yet I still see people putting in a two-inch strip in a corner. That could be mitigated, and it looks so much better. When you do a layout and you do engineering and figure out where patterns go, it is so much better. You can also calculate how you can split sheets because you can change, without changing the ceiling line, you can change how you're cutting the paper by cutting sheets in half or thirds or quarters, depending on how many times a sheet repeats, you know, a pattern repeats itself. So if you have something that has multiple repeats or special mini prints, you can cut things down to fit so that you get a better scene placement. Um, okay, and that brings us to another important point, and that is rooms and wallpaper are engineered separately most of the time. And so your wallpaper, if it has a pattern, will likely not exactly work all the way around in all four corners. So one of the things you have to do is find what is called the kill point. The kill point is where your pattern is absolutely not going to match. So I want to talk about how you decide where you want to kill the wallpaper so that you can do your best to hide the imperfection that's going to be from the difference in the size of the walls compared to the size of the repeat and the width of the wallpaper. Well, that's where if you're working with a designer or a homeowner, it's really important to have a conversation because you want to know what kind of window treatments are going on because sometimes it may be able possible to hide it behind the window treatment. So that's always a good spot. I always look at the, at the doorway that goes into a room to do it on that header above the door because it's the last place you look. The first wall you wanna do is the wall you see when you walk in the room, which is your accent wall. But if you don't engineer the whole room, the accent wall may look all right and everything else looks bad where you might be able to shift things a little bit and make everything look good. But kill point, typically over a door. There's also ways of mitigating, depending on what the pattern is. Um, things like stripes or multiple uh, repeats in a pattern, you may be able to cut over a doorway every, like two or three sheets down to a smaller size so that when it comes together, you almost look like it's not a mismatch. Um, but it, it, you know, it, and then there's things called appliques, so that when you do have a mismatch, by applying a floor, flower or a branch or a leaf or a bird or a fish or whatever the wallpaper is over that spot, you may be able to hide it. But that's something you use vinyl over vinyl. That's exactly where vinyl over vinyl is is really recommended, as well as all your inside corners. Um, let's talk about inside corners. One of the things that I find, especially in hev in thicker, heavier wallpapers, is people tend to round off inside and outside corners. 
what what do you find the best way to make sure the wallpaper sticks tight to inside and tight to outside corners so you don't get that like rounded look you get sharp edges yeah getting sharp edges is really important with, with commercial vinyl depending on what with, what school you come from um, some people like to do a minimum of a six inch wrap um, because with six inches you can really tuck it into the inside corner but but that's a commercial vinyl so you're going to be double cutting and it's usually a random so it's not going to make a difference if you're using a pattern wall covering uh, you want to find the largest measurement that last sheet before the inside corner you want to take three to four measurements find the largest measurement add about an eighth of an inch to that and that's when you cut it but let's say the wall is out because nothing's straight on a round planet and you, your top of the sheet is 10 inches, uh, the middle is 10 and a quarter, at the bottom it's 10 and a half. So now you're going to 10 and 5 eighths, but you've actually lost over a quarter of an inch of pattern. Two ways of handling it. Either you accept the loss and you put the balance of the sheet in and match it up, plumb it, and hang it, and then try to work with the inside corner with an applique as well, or to cut from a new sheet. Once again, one of the reasons you want to be able to calculate what you have and knowing you have an extra piece so you can cut that extra quarter inch or eighth inch or a half inch or whatever it is onto the next piece so that you add the pattern back or even if you split it so that you don't have such a bad um, inside corner because you cannot guarantee an inside, a straight corner. So those are some of the methods I use when it comes to going around inside corners. And how about outside corners to keep it tight to the wall? Well, outside corners could be a problem too because if an outside corner is really out, you may not be able to wrap it properly without having a bubble or without getting a wrinkle on the next side. So you definitely, if it's a commercial vinyl, you're definitely wrapping the outside corner um, because you're going to double cut into it with a, a random pattern. Do you using, recommend using, on commercial vinyls, any type of heat or moisture in order to loosen up the paper around the corner? How do you, well, you can keep use it as tight gun. as possible? You can definitely use a heat gun, Scott. You know, you, know, you wet down the, the wallpaper with a sponge, just dampen it up, and then you use a heat gun so you don't, and keep the heat gun moving. You don't use a, you know, you keep the heat gun in one spot, it's obviously going to burn the paper. So you want to make sure that you're going over and moving it all the time. Um, if it's a regular paper, once again, you're going to wrap around the corner, and then you're going to um, lay it down, spackle the edge so that you don't see the overlap, and then you're going to hang the next piece back to the corner. Once again, if you have the extra paper, you can cut the additional material so you don't have pattern loss at the outside corner. And this way, if it's out of plumb, you're able to plumb the next sheet so that you have a straight ceiling or, or a consistent ceiling line because ceiling lines are not straight either. Uh, on an accent wall or a main wall, you usually, or the first pieces that you're doing, which is usually the accent wall, you want to start in the middle of the wall because let's say the, the wall is out by two inches overall. If you start in the middle, you're only at an inch in each direction. You start at one end, you accumulate, and you're out over two inches at the top. So one inch is easier to compensate for than two, or three, or four, because it's always exponential. 
uh, those are some of, some of the ways, some of the things you have to watch out for. And when going around windows and door around windows, especially if there's a header and a skirt, the piece above and a piece below, you absolutely need to make sure you have level lines up and plumb lines. You want to hang that first sheet going into the window, has to be perfectly plumb. If it's not, when you get to the other side, the top and the bottom, when you hang that next full sheet, will not match. It just, mathematically, it just doesn't happen. So you need to go over and put a level line from a pattern at the top of the sheet across to pass the window and one at the bottom of the sheet across and past the window so that the patterns above and below the window stay on those lines so that when it reaches the other side, the pattern goes over and matches. Also, um, things to know about is relaxing. You know, if you go over and uh, certain papers have to relax. Some papers paste the wall, some papers paste the paper, but depending on what you're using, some papers, no matter what you do, are going to grow. So you have to be very careful on you know, expansion on the walls. You don't want long, thin bubbles that will not come out. Also, when it comes to expanding and contracting of paper due to moisture, how do you, how do you handle seams when you're worried about paper expanding or shrinking? So the first thing I do is I check the wallpaper. I cut a repeat out, I paste the piece, and then I let it relax for about three, four minutes. And then I test, I measure the dry piece versus the wet piece, I now know my expansion. Then I give it a few more minutes while I'm uh, working around the room, taking switch plates off and you know, getting things all set up, getting my sponge bucket ready, getting my adhesive ready to uh, see if it shrinks back at all. So, and the other thing is also making sure you do not stretch it on the wall. Hang from the seam in, sweep from the middle out. Do not try to pull edges because they have a memory and they will pull back. So you gotta be careful and you wanna make sure that certain fabrics and so on are laying down properly. You also sometimes, like with fabrics that may or may not shrink a little bit, you may wanna paint the wall first in the color of the ground and the wall covering so if the seam opens a little bit, you don't have a white line that you have to try and touch up later. So. Well, let's talk about um, seams then. What are a couple of different ways to create the best seam? Well, double cutting, you know, on commercial vinyls is great. I mean, you cut through both and then you lay them down, you should have basically a pretty perfect seam. Um, if, there's, if there's no pattern at all, it still may be visible, but it's tight and it's closed and it looks great. Colors are even. Um, commercial vinyl is really important to check color. Um, if it's a, you know, a, a water washed color, um, one side of the sprays may or may not be pumping out the same amount of water, so it may wash on half the sheet a little bit more color out and then they are mismatched, so you have to reverse hang them. Uh, so that means one sheet that you cut, the top is at the bottom of the sheet, the next one is the shot of the sheet, the top is at the top, so that it's up and down and that will help mitigate because you'll put light to light, dark to dark, so that you don't get any paneling. But that doesn't always help. Sometimes the paneling is just part of it. Okay. 
what other kinds of seams are there other than double cutting? What if a paper? Well, you can butt seam, and that's uh, and there's a couple of ways to achieve that. Double cutting can be a lot of different things, not just for randoms, but for uh, pattern matches. You may, especially untrimmed goods, you may end up double cutting if you know how to do that, or you may end up dry trimming or wet trimming, because they're all different ways of getting the edges right so that you can butt seam to some extent. Because the the final seam unless it's a peel and stick, is going to be a butt seam. It's not going to be an overlap seam. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be an overlap seam, except for maybe an inside corner. So uh, you, you want to go over and make sure that uh, those seams are looking good. And you don't want to roll the seam immediately. You want to give it five or 10 minutes, come back and roll it if it's a little tip lapped, or if it's a little raised, it's not lying down, there's a lot of ink maybe and it doesn't want to lay down, it hasn't relaxed, come back five or 10 minutes later. Because if you roll it immediately, you may squeeze all the paste out and there's less paste at the seam. First off, then you may have paste not only on your seam roller, but on the sheet, and you may not want that. And uh, you don't want to squeeze the adhesives out. So those are some of the methods that we use. Okay, and when you are looking at a wallpaper, how do you make some of these determinations? Well, the first thing you do is read the instructions. Um, we all scoff and laugh at them, and we you know, oh my God, how I, I would do that. But you never know when there's something in there. Um, and it may not be something that, that tells you to do. It may be something it tells you not to do. We discussed before about how some companies have warnings against certain primers. If the wallpaper has a specific problem that they want you to avoid, they may tell you. So it's really important to read the directions uh, to see what their hanging methods are. And uh, then you have to, as I said, cut a piece, paste it, see how it's acting. If it's pre-pasted, you want to put it directly into water first before you start adding extra adhesives because some papers have a huge amount of paste. Also knowing which company and, and their methods. Uh, companies like York has a very specific pre-pasted paper that doesn't get dipped in water and it doesn't get water rolled on the back with a roller. You need to use a, a bug sprayer, you know, a little pump sprayer. You wanna spray it down. That's how you get the proper amount of water on the backing. So every paper is, is its own thing and it comes with years of going over and doing it that you'll figure it out. And the more methods you know, the easier it is, because sometimes you need to change your method on the fly. You may see something and go, you know, this is how this is gonna hang. You start hanging it and you're having the problem. And if you know enough, you're heavily flexible so that you can change your method. The more methods you know, the better paper hanging you are. Okay, I think that's a, I think that's a pretty good introduction to how to hang or how to address hanging a room filled with wallpaper after having to remove wallpaper. Um, do you think that there's anything else that anybody should, you know, before they actually get on the walls, we could talk about that in our next episode, but is there anything else for the prep and engineering that you think is really important that either you find that people miss often, you find that when we come to a job with other people doing all of the prep work for we hang that we run into often? Is there anything that you think that 
maybe not the install wallpaper installer, but the painters or the general contractors should really know to A, help make wallpaper hangers jobs easier, and B, help give your customer the best possible job, because that's always all of our goals. Uh, sure. Um, so some of the things, you know, we come across a lot of rooms where they may not be painting, ceiling and trim, and that can be a, a challenge if the walls are a color. Because when you're cutting in, if the line is not 100% straight or there's a little bit of a wave and you hang the paper, all of a sudden the color of the wall may be at the very top along the ceiling line or the baseboard line or around the door frame or window frame. So if you're repainting the room, you don't want to have the painter paint exactly to the inside, like they're cutting in. You want them to come a quarter inch onto the, the walls and come an eighth of an inch um, onto the, the body of the, of the walls so that when you trim around them, you have a nice clean looking line. Um, real important to make sure you prime over those spaces so that you don't have raw paint because raw paint will not, if it's gloss, paper won't stick to it. And if it's flat, it could go over and make it pop. So you wanna make sure you've primed all those edges but it's really important for them to come up a little bit and give you something so that you can cut and make your lines look as straight as possible. Okay, any other, I guess, sound advice for someone as they are trying to estimate what the cost of an install is going to be for someone who maybe doesn't do it all the time? Um, how do you feel the best way to charge for wallpaper is, and how do you feel that that compares, or how do you believe that that compares to the cost of painting a room? Ah, that, that's a really tough question. Everybody has to charge what they feel they need to get for the, for the job, so that's But not, not, not as much as amounts, I mean, how, everybody has a certain amount that they're gonna wanna make per room, but when you're breaking it down, how do you go about trying to figure out what that right number is? Do you do it by the sheet, by the yard, by the roll, by the square foot, by I, the I job do, specifically? I do, by square, I do by square foot normally because it's about the wall space then. Because what the square footage on the wall may not be what you have in paper. So, you know, if there's extra, you know, if you had to order extra paper or there's waste, um, we're just looking at a uh, paper right now. The walls are um, 11 feet, and the pattern feet is 10. So you have to get 20 foot rolls, you know, in order to go over and do that space. You have a huge amount of waste. Um, looking at pattern repeats and the size of the walls is, is very important when you're, when you're ordering. Um, but as far as pricing, I like doing it by square footage, but there are people who do it by the roll, and uh, no, nobody really does it by the strip, but you may get people who charge you by the hour. Um, they want to make a certain amount of hour. It doesn't matter how many hours they take to do the job. And if they're not really uh, professional, they could be paying a lot of extra money because it could take them an extra day or two because they don't know what they're doing. So you want to make sure that the, you, know, you want to see a website, you want to see some pictures of work that they've done, and uh, you want to talk to them. And as I said, I usually charge by the square foot. That's just my personal method. Okay. So, and then the other thing to remember is that you know the paper may bubble, and just remember the bubbles go away when the check clears. There you go. I think that's mm -hmm. some sage advice for any contractor trying mm -hmm. to collect their money. Mm -hmm. 
So thanks so much for joining us today. Um, we hope to do a bunch of these and, and get them out there for people. And if you uh, need us, you can reach out and, and talk to us um, at our uh, you know website or um, on our podcast. We will get a link up for you that you can go over and write in and give us ideas of things you'd like to talk about and uh, you know topics you'd like to hear. So thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Scott, for having me here. Thank you, Lewis. And just so people know what the website is, why don't you go ahead and tell them? Uh, today is our uh, the name of our, patent, our uh, podcast is A New Coat of Paint. And we're going to be talking about everything from paint to wallpaper to life. Um, we're going to have a conversation about a lot of things. We're going to try to have some interesting people come in and we're going to interview people. Um, and, uh, we are your hosts, Lewis Katz and Scott Katz here at LJK Finishes. And our website is ljkfinishes.com. That will give you some, you know, insight on some of the work that we've done, some of the wallpaper and painting work, some of the, well, some of the many jobs that we've done over the past 35 or so years. And, and uh, one of our sponsors is tooltags.com. If you go over and you have tools and you find them to be missing at times, especially your expensive tools, tooltags is the way to go. Um, if you go over, and eventually we are going to have a link on tool tags uh, from our site that will go over and give you a, a discount on your first month. So uh, give us a call or give us an email, and we will see how we can help you out with that. All right, Lewis, thank you very much, and we look forward to speaking to everybody again soon. Everybody stay safe in this craziness, and hopefully in the next you know, few weeks to a month, we can all be back to normal. I hope all of your businesses are doing well. I hope all of your families are safe. And everybody have a good rest of your day.